When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone welcome back to another episode of here for the crack with me emma neil i hope you're all doing well oh my god i hope you all had a nice valentine slash galentine's day whatever you got up to i had a bit of a strange one for lots of reasons which i'm not going to get into (laughs) oh god i'm sorry guys i know i'm well overdue talking about this whole heartbreak breakup situation I think I just mentioned it passingly once and then I never spoke about it again. For a good reason, to be fair. I don't want to, one, air my dirty laundry and I also don't want to say anything that I regret saying or that is disrespectful to anyone because just because I'm in a bad headspace on that day or because I'm angry on that day, do you know what I mean? You're just going to end up saying something you regret and that's going to backfire on you. And that's also, like, I don't know, say you were going through a breakup, but maybe there was a chance of getting back together but then you'd gone and said all this shit and then it's like on a podcast forever it's not it's not ideal so that is why I haven't spoken about anything to do with it I do though want to do an episode about like heartbreak and healing and love that kind of vibes I think I will quite soon I'm reading a book at the minute called the unexpected joy of being single and uh, I'm only 15% in on my Kindle, but I'm really enjoying it so far. It's a good mix of funny stories and kind of like memoir vibes, but also combined with stats and like science behind being like addicted to love and addicted to people, stuff like that. It's quite interesting. I do really like it. So I do think I'm going to talk about, you know, something similar to that in a podcast coming soon. But today we're not going to talk about that. Today we're going to talk about anxiety as you can probably see from the title. Do you know what though I've actually always been a lover of Valentine's Day. I know so many people hate it. I have something with people that hate it though like why of all days do you want to hate the day that celebrates love? I get that it's become a big commercial thing but so has literally every single holiday. Do you know what I mean? Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, Christmas, the most commercialized thing in the entire world. So why the one day of the year that is a day for celebrating love and, you know, celebrating your partner? Why is that the one you're choosing to hate? I have a bit of an issue with that. I don't think you need to buy into the whole floor wall extravaganza. But just in the same way, you don't need to buy into like any of the holidays if you don't want to. But that doesn't mean you can't still celebrate them in a way and show your love for someone. For example, we don't go like all out on Mother's Day or Father's Day, but... It's still nice to be able to give your mum or dad 
a bunch of flowers and a card expressing your love for them just as the same way it is on Valentine's Day. Whether you do that with your partner or with your girls or your boys, I don't know, whoever. The girls, guys, go out. Oh my God, word vomit. The girls, guys, boys, or the non-binaries. Whoever it is you want to spread your love to, it's a nice opportunity to do so. Nothing is better than, oh my God, sorry, my cat is sat right beside me because she won't move and I don't have the heart to move her. So if you can hear her going to town licking herself, I apologise. What was I saying? Oh yeah, I like I really don't expect much on Valentine's Day apart from a bunch of flowers and a nice heartfelt card. See if I don't get that nice card. It can't just be a to Emma, happy Valentine's Day, love from. I want a paragraph expressing your love for me. There's nothing better than words of affirmation, guys. I'm telling you. I'm an absolute sucker for a good letter slash heartfelt message slash card slash text slash anything just with a bit of thought to be honest (laughs) the day before valentine's day the day before valentine's day is actually my mum's birthday but we were sitting down having dinner for her birthday and my brother was like oh i hate valentine's day anyway and i was like why i kind of love it and he was like yeah of course you would you're a girl but i don't i've always put in effort for if i'm with a boy i've always put in effort for them i don't think it's a very one-sided thing I don't know, maybe some girls don't. I Like, I always get, if I'm with someone, I'll get them flowers. Flowers aren't just for girls, you know. And I always get a little thing to go with it. Like, I will never push the boat. It's not a day for big presents. It's not a day for spending hundreds of pounds, you know, the way you would at Christmas or anything. For me, it's like something cute and small and thoughtful. I'm trying to think of an example that's not the actual thing that I did this year because I just, I just can't be bothered saying what it was. But... <laughs> Do you know, like, a pair of Calvin Klein red boxers for Valentine's Day. Something just small and nice. With a bunch of flowers and a card. That is just, that's all that is required. It's really not that big a deal. Why everyone goes around saying they hate it. Although I guess it can be quite triggering for some people. But then it's triggering because the whole couple narrative is pushed to everyone. But I feel like we're kind of getting over that and lots of people are doing Galentines and stuff now. So it's not quite as depressing if you're not in a relationship. Do you know what I mean? In fact, I know people that are in relationships and still had a separate Galentines thing because it's become such a big thing now, which is great. Enough about Valentine's Day, although probably don't have anything else to update you on. Haven't really been up to a whole lot this week since I've been home. I did get an email to say... Those, so do you know the way I was talking about how there was uni strikes on and that's why I was coming home because I was like why the fuck have I come to Leeds for literally all my classes to be cancelled when I have a project to complete in Ireland so flew home and then literally yesterday I get an email saying oh the strikes have been paused so classes are going to return I don't even know what to believe at this stage I am so done with this uni words cannot even describe how excited I am to be out of education as much as I'm dreading not having like that purpose of like I do like being a student you know I like knowing that I've got deadlines to work towards I like knowing that I've got you know scheduled classes and just like a bit of a structured week around uni it's a really nice it's like a little comfort blanket it's like a little safe heaven where although you're not necessarily having the best time I am enjoying what I'm studying and it gives me a little bit of purpose and drive 
And I'm really scared for that to be taken away and just feel like I am literally floating on a rock. But (laughs) I'm just very excited to be out of education as well at the same time and not have to do this whole back and forth from Leeds thing. I mean, I don't have to do the whole back and forth from Leeds thing, do I? I could just stay there like any normal student. So yeah, this has really thrown a bit of a spanner in the works because in my head, I wasn't going to go back. Well, see, originally I was only going to come home for two weeks, get my project done. And then I was like, wait, St. Patrick's Day is literally four weeks after that. Wait, (laughs) four weeks is a long time. Anyway, yeah, St. Patrick's is four weeks after that. Should I not just stay home for St. Patrick's Day? Because I kind of wanted to come home from then anyway. And then I looked at my timetable and I was like, yeah, to be fair, like the strikes really do affect pretty much all of my classes. Like I don't really need to go back. So I kind of had it in my head that I was here until mid-March. Well, kind of end of March for St. Patrick's Day. And now I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Can we actually talk about, though, I feel like no one talks about this in university, how there's some, there's some modules where you do need to go to the classes, like you're learning the material and you're working your way through your assignment in the classes and stuff. And it like, it's really beneficial for you to be there, essentially. You'd be, you'd be disadvantaging yourself by not attending those classes or by not watching them back and stuff online. For example, like stuff about your dissertation where, you know, you need to know the layout, you need to know the structure and I just feel like there are some classes you do need to go to and there's one of my ones that I feel like I need to go to is visual communications because I need to go to get feedback on my work so then I can go away and I can improve it or I can you know make these adjustments before then submitting the final thing and that because otherwise I'd just be submitting something that could end up being terrible and I never knew the whole time because I never went in. However there are just some that you actually, that are so irrelevant that you actually don't need to go to. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but like I have this one class this term and our assignment for it is completely self-directed. Okay, so you you choose entirely what you write about for the first and the second assignment. So realistically, you don't need to know all the content of what you're learning in class every week because you're just going to go and pick like I don't know the stuff that you're interested in to talk about anyway and you're going to have to do the research on it to get like the academic sources and shit anyway you're not going to find that in class you're better spending those hours say those three hours that you have in class you're better spending that just doing your assignment instead of being in class although I know that affects your attendance mark and shit which then affects professional practice and all that bullshit but I just find it really weird how some modules are like that where you literally don't really need to go. Anyway, haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. Who knows how long I'll be home for. Uh, I don't know. I just really don't want to spend St. Patrick's Day in Leeds, guys. I did it last year and I promised myself I would never do it again. Not that I had a terrible day. Like, it was still fun. I still met up with the Irish people that I knew and we had a drink in the park. One of my friends had a party and their house was mental. It was like an old, it was like an old hotel B&B type of thing that literally had wings. Like it had 12 rooms, all had en suites. It was like corridors in this massive house. (laughs) Yeah, they managed to get that as their student house and they had a party in it. So still had a fun time, but like it just wasn't St. Patrick's Day. Do you know what I mean? It was like, just another day drinking in Leeds, kind of. It reminded me as well of when I did St. Patrick's Day in Melbourne and I was just kind of like, what the fuck is this? It's hard to explain because it's still fun and all the Irish people still 
stick together and still have a good time, but it's not like, it's just not the same. And I said I wouldn't do it again. Although I actually, I, I feel like Liverpool would be fun for St. Patrick's Day. And I do know some people in Liverpool. I was thinking maybe I could like convince my friends from the surrounding areas, you know, Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, everyone to go to Liverpool. That could be fun. But then I'm also like, do I just come home? And then the reality is, is that I'm not a 19-year-old running about the Holy Lands anymore. <laughs> as fun as that was, that's not really going to be the vibe for me this year. So maybe I just have this weird romanticised version of St. Patrick's Day in Belfast in my head, but it's actually not going to be anything like that anyway, because that's not what I'm going to be doing. And that's not what I would want to be doing at this age. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that it is the 18th of February and to this day only three alcoholic drinks have passed my lips? I am so proud of myself. Like, not to toot my own horn, but I never thought I'd be able to do this. I'm not going to talk much more about it because I know literally my whole last episode was dedicated to talking about alcohol and I don't want to bore you guys. But I will say, I just feel like having a month away from it really gives you the space to like really think about alcohol and almost drink a lot more mindfully like it's gonna it takes a lot for me to like now want to drink now that I know how I feel when I'm not drinking like how much better I feel in myself when I'm not drinking and when I'm not hungover do you know what I mean like I'm not ruling out drinking like I'm sure there will be a weekend coming up that will be where I'll be drinking loads and as I was just talking about like St. Patrick's Day that'll be a big drinking day. I'm not ruling these things out at all but it's so nice to have the clarity to be like "Mm, I don't want to drink this weekend. We'll see how that goes though when it hits summer. I just think something about summer makes you want to have a cocktail or a beer in your hand no matter what's going on and no matter what day of the week. So yeah we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. My, what is my recommendation of the week? Oh, my recommendation of this week is actually another podcast. It's a podcast that is relatively new. I think they've only had seven or eight episodes. Safe to say I'm absolutely hooked on it. It's called Closet Confessions with Candice and Sorel. I knew who Sorel was I feel like everyone just knows her from TikTok. You know, she used to, I think her username used to be Coco Sorrel. I'm not sure if it is anymore. But yeah, her name's Sorrel. She does like, do you know the girl that does Love Island Debrief? And then she literally does like a recap of every episode. And she's so funny. Like she is the most entertaining person ever. She is how I have, she's how I always keep up with Love Island. Like if I can't be bothered watching a full episode or if I don't have time, instead of catching up, I just watch Sorrel's videos. <laughs> And then Candice, I actually didn't know until I heard her on Grace Beverly's podcast. I remember listening to that podcast and thinking, oh my god, I must buy her book. I still haven't bought her book, but I would like to read it. Anyway, these two have a podcast called Closet Confessions and their energy is just unmatched. They have me in tears of laughter. Like, I will literally be pissing myself in the middle of the gym because they made me laugh so much. They also just talk about some like really important, they're both black women, black British women, and they talk about like their experiences growing up in the UK and like beauty standards and uh, stereotypes. And they just talk about a lot of important topics. 
but at the same time they're hilarious and we'll have you rolling on the floor like I don't know I don't know how they manage to talk about such like important issues but then at the same time it'd be such a funny podcast yeah I absolutely love them they're the best like you know if you wake up in a bad mood and you just need something to put you in a good mood it's like the best thing to put on on your walk or on your drive or wherever it is uh you'll just find yourself giggling away on the bus <laughs> and they've actually just announced the, so the, i think that those eight episodes was like the end of their first season and they've just announced on their last podcast that there will be a second season which is exciting my words of the week was actually i think i saw it yesterday on tiktok i'm not gonna get it up because obviously it's a video so i'm gonna try and just explain it myself But basically what the girl was saying was, imagine that you were told that you had a certain amount, say you had 57 rejections or 57 no's until you got your yes. You can apply this to anything, you know, whether it's relationships or whether it's jobs or I don't know, apply it to whatever you want. But essentially, imagine you were told that you know, you had a certain amount of rejections until you got the one of whatever you're thinking about. Then every time you got that rejection, you would be happy about it because you'd be closer to the one instead of fixating on the fact that that failed and that that was a rejection and getting all wound up about it. So yeah, next time you get rejected in something, whatever it is, just think I'm one one thing closer away from the actual thing. The actual, my job, my partner, my... I'm trying to think of other scenarios, but job and partner are the only ones that are coming to mind right now. Sorry. <laughs> and actually, my dad said to me in the car the other week, he was like, he said something a lot. Oh, I know what he said. He said, Emma, if I hadn't met... Or, Emma, if I hadn't have broken up with my previous girlfriend, I would have never met your mother. And then you, Matthew and Olivia, wouldn't have been born madness but at the time you think that's the one for me what have I done all right let's get into this week's podcast topic which is anxiety I wanted to talk about this because something happened to me recently that sparked me wanting to talk about anxiety again because it's not really something I have been dealing with in recent years should I tell you a little bit about, yeah, maybe I'll tell you about my my backstory with anxiety. Okay, let's do that. So I've never had full on like general anxiety disorder where I'm like, oh, actually, maybe that's a bit of a lie. I did go through one period where I was very anxious all the time. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll not say I've never had it. I've never been diagnosed. Di- diagnosed? I've never been, <laughs> wait, why can't I say that word? I've never been diagnosed. Let's first of all clear up what anxiety is because the word is obviously used a lot because anxiety at the end of the day is like it's an emotion it's a feeling that everyone experiences so because everyone experiences it to different degrees I think people can get a little bit confused on what like having anxiety disorder is. So as I said everyone experiences being anxious You know, anxiety is an emotion slash feeling in the same way that everyone experiences anger, everyone experiences joy, everyone experiences anxiety at multiple points in their life. Like it's really normal to get anxious about 
certain things, to get anxious about a job interview and to get anxious about exams and, do you know, stuff like that is really, really normal to experience anxiety from. And sometimes to a degree is also like a little bit of a good thing. I don't want to say it is a good thing, but in some scenarios, you know, if you weren't to get anxious for an exam, maybe you wouldn't revise as hard for it. Or if you weren't as anxious for a job interview, maybe you wouldn't prepare enough for it. There are certain scenarios where being nervy and having those anxieties and those worries in your head do push you to prepare for these things, I guess. Not to say that you have to be anxious in those scenarios. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of confident people out there that don't have, don't get anxious about these things and seal through them anyway. And I'm very jealous of those people. But generalized anxiety disorder, which is the full name of what people are referring to when they say that they have anxiety. You know, when people are saying, I have anxiety or I was diagnosed with anxiety. It's that they were diagnosed with general anxiety disorder most of the time. Well, there, sorry, there's actually a few variations of anxiety that I'll get into in a second. But yeah, if people have anxiety, usually that's what they're referring to. And what that means is that they're anxious most of the time. Like most of the time in their everyday life to the point that it's quite irrational and it is debilitating because it affects their everyday lives you know, getting anxious to leave the house, getting anxious to meet people, getting anxious to, I don't know, literally just in most things that you do, getting anxious about it. There are other forms of anxiety. So there, I actually didn't realise this until I was doing a little bit of research for this podcast, but OCD is a form of anxiety, which I didn't know, but it also really makes sense now that I think about it. Another common one would be panic disorder. So panic disorder is when you would frequently get panic attacks. So anyone can experience a panic attack from, you know, certain situations. Your body will put you in fight or flight and you can end up having a panic attack. But, you know, if you just have a one-off panic attack once every few years, you probably don't have panic disorder. Panic disorder is when you frequently have panic attacks and it's a common occurrence. Then there is also PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder is a form of anxiety and then there's also social anxiety disorder. I feel like everyone knows what that is. So yeah those are kind of the main forms of anxiety and I thought I would just make sure we're all on the same page before I get started talking about this. I was never a super super anxious kid but there definitely were situations that definitely made me very anxious I've always had a huge fear of public speaking. I literally remember from such a young age, I know I've talked about this before, but I remember from such a young age always freaking out when it came to doing like talks in class. Also, I did speech and drama when I was younger and you know, when you would have those like kind of recital things where you would do the poems on stage, I would completely freak out at them and I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not going, I'm not going. I'd wait till the end and then I'd finally go and then you know, it'd be such a relief when I went and I'd be like, oh, it really wasn't that bad, but nothing would change every time I would still panic about it. And I even remember, you know, I did gymnastics and stuff and when we'd have competitions, I'd be down in the rescue remedy. Still to this day, don't even know if that stuff does anything. But yeah, <laughs> I've always like, I've had performance anxiety essentially as long as I can remember. So yeah, as I said, never really experienced like general anxiety or social anxiety when I was younger. However, did have a bit of performance anxiety and then 
I started, I was, I was a bit of a worrier, but not, not where it would make me really anxious, but just where I would worry a lot about things like exam results and what else? I don't know. My mum just always was like, Emma, you're such a worrier. Like you need to stop worrying about things that haven't even happened yet. Like you will worry yourself into a hole essentially. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it started getting worse. I think when the pressure was building up with school exams, you know, as they were getting more and more serious. I mean, I feel like schools just try and make a big deal out of exams from when you're such a young age, which is crazy. Like, to think I was freaking out about exams when I was 11 years old is just insane. <laughs> like, as if it mattered. Like, does that, does how I did then matter to me now? Absolutely not. But you think at the time that it is literally the end of the world if you don't do well. And I think as pressure started to build, you know, as we started getting older and things became, I'm going to say they became more important, but also teachers really just make you think that, you know, you will not have a future if you don't do well in these exams, basically. Um, So, you know, as it starts getting more serious with like GCSEs, then A-levels, that's when I really started to experience anxiety and panic attacks. But I still, at this point, I still wouldn't say that I had anxiety or that I had panic disorder because it wasn't often. It was very situational and it was just when there was heightened pressure on us for these exams. So, you know, the night before an important exam, I would experience this. But then outside of that, I was completely fine. So it was very, very situational which is why it wasn't really an issue because it was kind of just like I knew I had to deal with this because I knew I was an anxious person when it came to these things but the second it was over that was fine I wasn't an anxious person I didn't have social anxiety I didn't have general anxiety I just had to get through it in that moment but then I went to Liverpool University spoken about this before I spoke about this on my very first podcast So I went to university straight after school at the age of 18 to study mathematics at Liverpool University. I know, I know what you're all thinking. (laughs) Me study maths. Believe it or not, I was very good at maths when I was in school. I was getting, I think I was one mark off an A star in my maths A level. And because I didn't know what I wanted to do career-wise, I was kind of just in the whole do what you're good at type of mindset. I didn't even really want to go to university, but I just thought that was the done thing. Everyone, all of my friends were doing it. Everyone in my year group in school was doing it. You know, I went to a grammar school that heavily enforced the idea that you have to go to university whether you like it or not. So I didn't really see there being another option, which is why I did end up just going to do maths. And, you know, I did well in my level, so I got onto it, but I was very out of my depth when I was there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> But yeah, so I moved to Liverpool at the age of 18 and that is when shit really hits the fan. This is when the panic attacks and the anxiety, they run wild. To be honest, it all kind of stemmed from, first of all, not doing something that I wanted to do and just feeling really out of my depth. Yeah, I I don't know, I guess with that, like not being able to keep up and feeling like I'm out of my depth and not knowing what the fuck I'm doing and not liking what I'm doing, not knowing what I'm actually even aiming towards. I think I was just like, why am I here? And then I would go to class and I'd get so confused and so frazzled and so anxious. 
And then that kind of set me off on having consistent panic attacks. And when I say consistent, I mean everything was triggering to me. <laughs> it started off by getting really anxious about going to class or maybe while I was sitting in class, I would be really anxious and I'd end up leaving. Or maybe I'd get anxious when I was doing the homework and then like I'd have a panic attack before a hand in. It kind of just, you know, it started off small, but then really rapidly just became like to the point that every single thing was triggering me. The second I'd step foot in a lecture theatre, panic attack. (laughs) I'd literally run back home. I mean, I lived on campus. I was in one of the halls that was on campus. So running back home took all of two minutes. But yeah, it was, it was a shit show, to be honest with you. It got to the point where actually just waking up was a fucking trigger. Like I'd wake up and have a panic attack and then tire myself out so much from panicking. Like if you've had a panic attack, you know how physically and emotionally exhausting it is. So I would literally wake up, have one, go back to sleep, wake up, have one, go back to sleep. Like just being alive was a fucking trigger. (laughs) It was extremely debilitating and the only way around it was to not think about anything to do with that part of my life but that was nearly impossible to do because I was living on campus I was you know supposed to be going to class every day like maths is quite an intense course you have a lot of classes I had homeworks to be doing every day like it was really hard to escape thinking about these things because ultimately that was my life at that time so you know I thought about it and I'd have a panic attack (laughs) I could sit here and laugh about it now, fine, but at the end of the day, it's not funny and it was the furthest thing from funny at the time. And I actually think when I spoke about this on my first episode, my very first episode talking about uh, dropping out of university, I think I did cry. I think I got teary about it. I don't really get teary about it now, but yeah, not a nice time of my life. I mean, luckily enough for me, it was very situational and the second I was out of that environment and that situation, it completely stopped because I did go to speak to a doctor about it and I signed up for uh, like student welfare support. You can sign up for like their counselling and stuff. But the waiting list was so long. I didn't end up getting an email until like months after I'd actually left the uni and dropped out. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, a little too late for that, but thanks anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I actually did go and see a GP when I was in Liverpool. That's always like your first point of contact, isn't it, for anything, if even if it's mental health related. And usually GPs have a pretty bad rep for when it comes to mental health stuff. It's not their specialty and it's just a bit of a process, I think, as is with anything within the healthcare system. However, I actually happened to get someone, a GP, that was actually surprisingly very good. He was able to talk to me in a way that where I don't think a GP has ever talked to me before about mental health, which was at the time helpful, but also it was kind of like, uh, what's the term? I was basically just too far gone by that point. Like there was absolutely no saving me apart from just getting me out of that environment. He did suggest going on beta blockers. Beta blockers are a drug that control your heart rate so they can be prescribed for several different like heart conditions and if you've got like 
I don't know, high blood pressure and stuff, you can be prescribed beta blockers, but they can also be prescribed for anxiety because obviously they regulate your heartbeat and that's kind of one of the physical symptoms of anxiety. And if you can control that, then sometimes it's a lot easier to control the other things then. But anyway, it didn't matter because your girl was not staying in Liverpool. That was not a life I wanted to live. (laughs) Once I left that environment, as I said, anxiety, panic disorder, everything gone. I was a new person. I felt like the biggest weight had been lifted off my shoulder. Nothing could make me anxious again. Like I was soaring through life. I was so happy to be doing something that I wanted to do, which was at the time when I was training in makeup and then eventually working in makeup. I think for those subsequent years, I actually can only remember one panic attack within the space of, I don't know, however many years, maybe like four years, I guess. And I actually remember, I remember that panic attack very well. And I remember not realising that it was a panic attack. It happened when I was in work. I worked in a makeup salon slash studio slash shop type of thing. There was always pressure to be the best artist you could be, basically. But it wasn't anything that would have sent me over the edge because I was, I wanted to do that. Like I was thriving in there. I thought it was the best place to be ever at the time. Obviously with any job, there is pressure to do well, I guess. And also it, it was an environment that could get quite stressful sometimes when things were like, you know, on really, really busy, like Saturdays when things were booked back to back and they'd like shorten the time slots that you had to do makeups in and stuff. And I also was really, because this is when I was first starting out, I was really slow compared to other people like some of them were able to bang out a full face makeup with lashes and everything in half an hour meanwhile I was struggling to make the hour and then on really busy days like they couldn't let me have the hour slots they had to cut it down to 45 which I understand like it's their business they have to make sure everyone's working efficiently but obviously at the time that was stressing me out so much and which sounds like you're probably listening to this thinking like get a fucking grip of yourself you're doing someone's makeup stop stressing out But I think with anything, when you're the newbie and you feel like your work's being judged and you're trying to keep up with the pace and all that, you know, you can't let it get to you sometimes. But basically, why am I telling you? Oh, because I'm telling you the time I had the panic attack. Yeah, so I had this one panic attack in work, literally the only one I had of the space of about four years. Didn't realise it was a panic attack. And do you know why? Because all of my panic attacks prior to this had been very hyperventilating, crying, screaming, throwing up kind of vibes, not literally throwing up, but you know what I mean? Just really OTT, bawling my eyes out. Like, I knew it was a panic attack. My heartbeat was through the roof type of thing. Whereas this was, this was different. And because it was different, I didn't recognise it as a panic attack. I thought I was sick. I thought something was happening to me. But my heart was beating so fast I was shaking, like trembling. My whole body was trembling. When I was holding my makeup brush, my hand was quivering. And bear in mind, I intentionally didn't drink coffee in the morning before I was working on a busy Saturday because I knew sometimes that the stress could get to me and could cause me to be a little bit shaky and stuff. So I intentionally didn't drink caffeine to prevent the shakes. But my heart rate was through the roof. My palms were sweaty. I was shaking. I started getting really dizzy. I said to my manager, I was like, I really don't know what's going on. Like, I don't feel well. I don't feel like I can take my next client. And she's like, come upstairs with me. So I went upstairs with her and she's like, I think you're having a panic attack. Have you ever had one before? 
I was like, no, like I used to get panic attacks all the time. Maybe I'm getting a vomiting bug or something. I feel really ill. Like I feel like I might be sick. And she was like, no, Emma, like I really think you're having a panic attack. So yeah, that was a really strange experience because that is the first and maybe only time that I've ever experienced one. And it's been very physical, but I haven't really been mentally spiraling. So as a result of not mentally spiraling, I didn't actually know what the fuck was going on with my body. I genuinely thought I was like, I'd got a bug or a virus and I was going to be sick. But no, she was right. It was a panic attack. (laughs) Do you know what? Now that I actually think about it, I feel like I have had that another time. I'll tell you that story in a second. So anyway, I saw through the next... I say I soar through the next few years of my life but genuinely when I look back on those years of when I was like a makeup artist and then I went traveling and then I lived in Australia I do think of them very fondly like I don't think I had a single mental health issue in those points of my life like I was she was sliving she was thriving she didn't have she didn't experience one smidgen of anxiety or depression in those years I mean how could you when you're literally I just feel like you've literally got no worries when you're traveling. Not a single worry goes through your head. You're literally just so in the moment and it's the best thing ever. Anyway, I come back from traveling. I get a job and the plan is to go to uni the next September. So I think I got back at like Christmas time. And then so I basically had like a half half a year of working at home to do before starting uni in the September and I also was meant to go traveling for two months within those, within, within the half a year, I was supposed to go to the Philippines for two months because I really wanted like one last little trip before starting uni. Then COVID hit in literally on the week that I was supposed to go to the Philippines was when COVID hit because I had friends that were in the Philippines like two weeks before that. Like I think they got back actually two weeks before that and they were like, no, it's fine there. But then by the week I was going, no, full shut down. Anyway, we go through lockdown. I go to uni and then I come back and there's another lockdown. We all know the story. We go through, what was it? Three lockdowns and then other like variations of lockdowns, I guess. Just different regulations and stuff begin. So when we come out the other side of that, when did we fully say goodbye to any restrictions? My god, last Christmas we had fucking restrictions. Not Well, not the Christmas just passed there, but the one before. I don't know. But basically, the summer... Okay, so not last summer, but the summer before that. I find it really hard to work out years since COVID. Everything throws me off so much because it all is just like one big blur. Summer of... What year is it? It's 2023. So summer of 2021. I feel like that's when we kind of... I don't think we fully said goodbye to restrictions because as I said, I do remember that we had restrictions in the following Christmas. But I do remember like that being the first time we could all go out and stuff. Like maybe clubs were open. I remember going to a friend's birthday and it was kind of like the first time there was a big group of us all at someone's house and then going to a club and stuff after. And I remember being the most anxious ball of nerves throughout that whole summer. And anyone who spoke to me or was friends with me within that time period will tell you the same thing. I was a walking ball of anxiety 
I'm not even joking you. I think that is the first time I've, well, first and only time I've ever experienced like a spout of general anxiety. And I really, my heart goes out to anyone that experiences that throughout their whole life or, you know, for long periods of time because that was the most draining thing to experience. It felt like I was always walking on eggshells. I was always on edge of like, I don't know. I just, do you ever feel like you're on, do you ever wake up and you have a bad day and you're always on edge? Like you're either on the verge of tears or you're on the verge of lashing out at someone or you're on the verge of having a mental breakdown or you're on the verge, like you're just on edge about everything. That's how I felt all the time. I was a big bundle of anxiety and nerves. I was shaking. I was trembling. I remember that birthday that I was just talking about there. This is why I remember it very specifically. And I remember all my friends being like, are you okay? Like I picked up my glass and my hand was trembling. And I was speaking at a million miles an hour and I was really frantic. Oh God, I don't know what was going on in my head, to be honest with you. I think it was just like coming out of such a long period of all this like social isolation and doing all these things again that you hadn't done in ages, seeing lots of people at once. Do you know, like I remember, do you remember in full lockdown, you'd bump into someone in the supermarket and you'd like almost shit yourself a wee bit because you hadn't seen people in so long so you wouldn't know how to make conversation. You'd be like, fuck, I've forgotten how to do this. But now we were going out in big groups of people and you're having to do it with loads of people and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a meltdown. And that was also the same summer where I first started dating my most recent boyfriend. I remember like on all of our dates, me literally... Oh, the first, I mean, it's normal to get first date nerves, but this was like to a whole other level because I was already experiencing this anxiety and then I also had first date fear and I remember picking up my beer and the whole, I had to set it down because it was spilling from me shaking so much and I was just like chain smoking because I didn't know what to do with my hands and they were just like trembling and sweating if I wasn't doing something with them. So um, yeah, I just chain smoked the whole time essentially. (laughs) I don't actually remember when that stopped. Obviously, it's not just like a thing that just stops instantly. It would have been more gradual as I got used to the new normal after being in lockdown. But yeah, don't really recall when it actually stopped and when I got over that kind of general anxiety period. But thankfully, I did. Which brings me to now. So I don't experience general anxiety today. I don't have panic disorder anymore. But what I do still managed to hold on to is this performance anxiety that I forget about. I just, it completely escapes my mind until I'm in the situation again where I get it and then I'm like, oh yeah, fuck. (laughs) I forgot this happens to me every time I have to public speak. I say public speak, I don't mean public speak like any big crowds or anything. It literally happens to me when I have to stand up in front of like five people. So I talked about it before, I know, when I was doing the podcast with Aoife and I said about, you know, when I had to get up and do my uni presentation, literally in my class of five people and how I was full on like stressing, my hands were sweating, my voice was quivering, I was shaking, my heartbeat was through the roof. But because I did it that time, I think in my head I was like, do you know when you, right, do you know after you sit down from doing something like that? And the feeling of relief and also the feeling of that was such an overreaction, like that went completely fine. I did not need to react like that. So then you think because your brain has now realised that it's not a big deal, you think then the next time it's going to be better. And I'm sure 
for a lot of people this is what happens and that's how they get better. But for me, this doesn't ever seem to happen. (laughs) These things never seem to compute in my brain. And I always end up back at the same place, near enough having a panic attack every time I have to do anything like public speaking. So the reason I thought I had not mastered it, but the reason I thought I got a little bit over it in my head from when I did that one uni presentation was because I thought I had figured out some hacks in my brain, okay? So the first thing I did was I didn't over-prepare. I think this is completely dependent on the person and also not even just the person, but also the situation. Like sometimes you need to over-prepare for these things to feel more confident and almost have like a little bit of a script to go off so that you don't even need to worry about like the next thing that you're saying is. But in this case, because it was a very, very short, casual presentation that was very much prompted just by what I was showing, I intentionally underprepared because I thought the less I overthink this and the less I prepare, the more I'm going to think of it as just like a casual chat with my classmates. And I did actually find that really helped, but only in this scenario. (laughs) and I'll explain why it was different in the next scenario in a second then the next thing was to offer to go first straight away the longer I sit there and other people do their presentations I'm sitting stewing over things in my head and thinking how mine's different to theirs and how mine's worse than theirs and how I'm just panicking in my own head the longer that goes on for the more panicky I am then when I get up and do mine so the best thing is for me to literally just put my hand up and be like I'm just gonna go first get this done out of the way with and that's what I did that time and it was definitely the best decision another thing I did that time that I found helped me was the second I got up I just said straight away I'm really nervous about this I think I made a bit of a joke about it said something about my voice going shaky or something I can't remember exactly what it was but I said something that just like got it out of the way that I was really nervous and I'm sorry if it's like came across that way type of thing and you know it was fine like I think my teacher laughed and he was like no you're grand well actually he's not Irish so he definitely didn't say no you're grand but you know what I mean he says something along those lines <laughs> um so anyway this next presentation comes around and in my head I'm like I'm not I'm gonna do the same thing as last time I'm not gonna overthink it I'm gonna under prepare and hopefully we can navigate this in the same way that I did the last one because that ended up being yeah although I was really anxious when I was up there and I my heart rate was through the roof and I was sweating and my voice was shaky it ultimately was fine like I didn't have a panic attack and I got through the presentation fine and I sat down and was relieved and also proud of myself so I was like I can do this again so I'm like yeah not overthinking it not over preparing it's just another chat with you know the people I know in my class because my class is really small so I low-key forget about it like I actually completely forget about it until I walked in and then I was like oh yeah shit we're doing those presentations but it, which was probably a good thing because then I could just get up and talk pretty casually however they combined the classes so there's another class of like doing the same module at the same time and they decided to combine them to let us do our presentation in front of everyone so straight away I'm panicking because I forgot about it and I'm panicking because there's now all these strangers in the classroom that I don't know and I'm realizing that this is not as casual as 
me and my five classmates in the other room with my really laid back teacher. This is now a whole thing where loads of other people have prepared full on like 10 minute presentations and I've done sweet fuck all. So as you can see what I was saying about the underpreparing thing, it doesn't work all the time. And in this scenario, <laughs> it was probably a really bad thing and I should have overprepared if anything. So because I'm sitting there freaking out about the fact that I've not done anything and I thought it was just going to be our class and now there's like 15 people, which still isn't a lot of people, but you know, it's just really thrown a spanner in the works for me. Like I'm spiraling in my head. Then because of that, I don't offer to go first. So there's my next mistake. Now I'm sitting watching everyone's well-prepared presentations and I'm seeing them do fine. And I am, oh, I am spiraling at this point. If you've ever had a panic attack before, you know the feeling when it starts off with just a little bit of anxiety and then gradually it's like almost burning up the whole inside of your body. You can feel it rising inside of you. Basically, the way they end up doing it is that they go round the different tables. So everyone from one table does theirs then they move on to the next table. Everyone in that table does theirs. And I was at the table that was at the very end. So obviously, very end means the longer I have to freak out about this. It gets to our table and guys, I can't even describe how I felt at this point. I got up and left. I literally got up and left in the middle of someone's presentation. So rude of me, but I could not be in that room for one second longer. If I had have got up and tried to do my presentation, I would have genuinely had a panic attack in front of all of those people and it would have been an awful, awful sight. So... (laughs) I was like, fuck this, put my coat on. I actually left my laptop in my bag, so I had to go back. But yeah, I literally just walked out, went to a cafe, and then I was like, right, I can't get caffeine. Like, I can't get a coffee right now because I will literally explode if I do. So I sat down, had a little chai latte, and uh, tried to compose myself, do some breathing techniques, and I was okay. They actually called like a five minute break once all the presentations were over, and one of the girls that was in my class actually ended up coming to the same cafe that I was sat in and I was like oh my god hello what happened did they say anything like did they realize I'd left and she was like yeah they were just really confused from where you went and they were like oh we'll wait and see if she comes back but you didn't come back and I was like yeah I was literally spiraling in my own head like I didn't know what to do so I just got up and left and came and got a little hot drink she's like no that's fair enough you can walk back with me if you want so I walked back with her I went in and I was like yeah I'm sorry I just really freaked out and left My teacher was like, it's fine, don't worry. If you don't want to do it, you can just do it digitally because you can record it on like Microsoft Teams and then submit it that way. Which reminds me, I still need to do that. Fuck. Okay, note to self, I need to do my presentation this week. Anyway, the point of this story is that what this situation told me was that my performance anxiety is very much still ripe. And I really would like to work on it. Now, I don't think it's something I'm ever going to fully, fully get over. I don't think I'm ever going to be like a public speaker, but that's not what I want to be. So that's not a huge issue. But I would love to not have to worry about having a panic attack in these situations. And what this actually also taught me was that it can be such a physical thing. Okay, for example, when I was telling you the story about the panic attack I had in work where it was very much a physical thing and in my head I wasn't spiralling and it was kind of a similar, although I was spiralling eventually in this most recent one where I had to do the uni presentation, it started off, this is what usually happens for me when it's a performance anxiety induced type of thing, 
it starts off where it's not in my head at all. In my head, I'm confident. In my head, I'm thinking this isn't a big deal. I'm fine. I can do this. Like I don't have any doubts in my head to begin with. And then what happens is the physical symptoms come. The heartbeat increases. I start to get sweaty. I start to get red in the face. And with those physical symptoms, then comes the spiraling mentally. Because I got, right, so I put up on my story on Instagram, say, explaining the situation. And I got a lot of replies. I actually have a few of the replies here that some of them I'm going to read out to you that had some good tips and things. But a lot of the tips were people saying, you need to change your mindset on it. And for some people, I get how this is a good tip, like where you need to completely change your mindset and how you're viewing it. But for me, this really isn't the case because my mindset on these things isn't that they're a big deal. I don't freak out about these things in bed at night thinking, oh fuck, this is so scary, blah, blah, blah. Like those thoughts don't cross my brain. But then when I'm in the situation, I start getting the physical symptoms and that is then what triggers the spiraling mentally, which is really difficult to control because one of the main things in anxiety is that you can control your thoughts and you can tell your thoughts to fuck off essentially and when you can say when they're not your thoughts like when that's not you and when that's an intrusive thought or whatever you can control that a little bit but I find physical symptoms a lot harder to control like how do you control the fact that your heartbeat is increasing you can't really you can you can do breathing techniques and things but I don't know Is it possible to get a hold on these physical symptoms? I'm not 100% sure if it is. I didn't know that... So messages came flooding in when I put this on my story and a lot of people were recommending a drug called... Wait, let me find the name of it here because otherwise I will butcher it. Oh, propranolol? Propranolol. It's a beta blocker, like I was talking about earlier. But... It's a beta blocker that you can just take for when you have to do these public speaking-y, presentation-y types of things. So like, whereas before when the doctor was talking about prescribing me beta blockers when I was in Liverpool, I think that was to take daily, whereas you can't actually just take them on the occasions where you know you're going to have to do this type of thing, which I did not know you could do. So I think I'm definitely going to go to the doctors about that and get that just as a little backup. But I also did get some other tips that I thought I'd share with you. First one is pretty obvious and that is not consuming any caffeine before. So even like green tea and matcha, like they still have caffeine in them. Obviously no coffee, Cokes, Diet Cokes. Rescue Remedy is still a question mark for me. I mean, I used to drink the stuff in gallons, but don't know if it actually did anything and when I looked it up I don't know that there's actually any scientific research to back it but who knows haven't actually had that in a while maybe I should get that again another thing that I thought was so interesting which I never even considered you could go to for something like this was hypnotherapy in my head hypnotherapy was for either like irrational fears or for addictions But then I suppose public speaking, it's a fear really, isn't it? So yeah, you can go to hypnotherapy for public speaking. I think I really want to try this. I've always been so intrigued by hypnotherapy and I would love to see if it would work on me for this. 
Another thing is breathing techniques, of course, to control your heart rate. And then there were some people saying things like, you know, they really, really over prepare and literally learn the script off like the back of their hand and they practice it in front of the mirror and they practice it in front of family and friends or whoever they can practice in front of so that when they're getting up and doing the presentation, it's not the first time doing it and it doesn't feel so intimidating. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you that other story of when this kind of happened recently. I think I did tell this story. So basically last year at a dance competition, so weird because I've never got like, obviously you get a bit of nerves before you go on to like perform or do anything of the sort. Um, I think it would be weird if you didn't. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not that weird. Like maybe some people don't. It's normal to have like a bit of nerves before you go on stage. So that's just something I would expect. So anyway, I'm at this dance competition. I am in the crowd watching one of the Leeds Beckett teams that I'm not on. Like say, let's say hip hop was on and I was cheering them on in the crowd. And then after that, I had to run backstage to then get ready for our dance to go on like in a few dances times when it was the next category. And obviously, you know, I'm a bit nervy, but nothing more than like what would be normal for me for something like that. But then it was so bizarre. I think it was a combination of the nerves, the lighting, like the stage lights, the room being really hot. Then like, do you know when you're cheering people on and you're really screaming, like giving it all, singing along? And I got really, really, really lightheaded and then I fainted. And it was the scariest thing ever. I think it's the only time I've ever fainted. And that was 100% from being anxious. Like that was my body in full fight or flight. Because basically what happens, right? So your body doesn't distinguish between physical and emotional threats. You just, your body just sees that there is a threat and responds in this way, in this fight or flight way. So if it's an emotional trigger, you'll still get that increase in adrenaline, increase in heart rate, because your body's preparing for you to run away from the threat, essentially. But then obviously you're not running away from a threat because it's an emotional thing. So what ends up happening is this quickening in breath and that can cause you to get lightheaded because you're not actually doing anything with that. Like you're not expending the energy. That's why when you actually get really anxious and feel like it's really building up inside of you, sometimes the best thing to do is to go and expend loads of energy, like to go on a run. I remember before I was taking my first yoga class and I could feel myself getting really anxious and I literally, I'm not a runner. I hate running, but I went on a fucking run Because I was like, this is the only thing I can do right now to just get rid of this energy and make sure it's not building up inside of me. Because if you don't do that, then it causes like an an imbalance between like your carbon dioxide and your oxygen because you're kind of just like, you know, your breath is quickening, but you're not. Does that make sense? And yeah, that's what then makes you start to feel dizzy, can make you faint. And then you start to hyperventilate. Yeah, it's just one thing after another really, isn't it? And it's like they both feed off each other. So (laughs) the physical symptoms make you spiral mentally more and then you spiraling more mentally makes the physical symptoms worse. So you have to get something under control. Like you either have to control the physical symptoms, get your breathing back, relax, or you need to control the mental part of it. And I think the easiest way to do that is different for every person. And maybe for every scenario, like as I said, I'm still trying to work out how to do that for myself. I'm going to try hypnotherapy and I also want to get that beta blocker for 
when I do want to do any public speaking because I really don't want to block myself off from, look, I'm not going to be, you're not going to catch me doing a TED talk or anything like that. But I would love to do a live podcast. I would love to be able to, look, I don't want to sound like this is what I have projected for myself. But, you know, if I got invited onto like a panel or something, I wouldn't want to close myself off to that just because I know I'm going to have a panic attack in front of everyone. Like, I'd love to not have to decline any opportunities because of this fear. So it's something I really want to get over. And yeah, I guess that's why I'm talking about it because I feel like loads of other people experience this. Also, you don't have to want to change this. Like, not everyone has to be good at public speaking. Everyone has different strengths. Everyone has different abilities. And everyone has different jobs and lives that require them to do different things. Like, if you're happy enough with not being a good public speaker and you don't have to do that in your daily life, then who's to say you you need to change that? But yeah, as I said, it's something I would love to get over and to just not have to worry about and to not close myself off to some things. I'm going to read out some of your messages because I thought some of them were very helpful. Thank you for sharing your tips and tricks with me. Also, I will say that I know now we've moved on to very much talking about performance anxiety and tackling that and like tips and tricks for that, which is a lot different to dealing with general anxiety disorder. And I completely understand that. I'm not saying that any of these tips that I'm about to share are going to help you if you have general anxiety. I'm not very well equipped to talk about general anxiety. Just as I said, I have only really experienced it for that one little kind of spout in my life. And apart from that, I really haven't dealt with it much. For me, it has very much been like situational and performance anxiety. So yeah, let's read out some of your messages. Someone said, listening to your podcast where you're talking about public speaking, I'm the exact same and also get a stress rash over anything. Literally, even just doing my makeup, I'm the same. Oh my God, literally when I'm getting ready to go out, I start getting full anxiety rash all down my chest and neck. And my sister gets it as well. Okay, so I started a job and speak in front of 100 plus people. I still get exactly the same feelings that you were describing, but have found something that has really helped. I haven't mastered it, but if you told me a few years ago that I'd be in a job speaking in front of others, I'd have laughed. The biggest thing that has helped me is to be smart and use the very first sentence to turn it into a conversation and make sure you show your personality ASAP. I hate any sort of presentation because it feels like I'm disconnected from myself and almost feels like an out-of-body experience. Oh my god, yes, this is what it feels like for me. If you can straight away engage with the audience or say something silly that brings you back to yourself, it seriously helps. Obviously breathing helps and picturing it going well beforehand and trying to push away any negative thoughts is important too. But thanks for the pod, completely obsessed. Oh, thank you. I actually love this tip and I think it's good because you can kind of plan, like you can have a little set joke that you make at the start of anything like this that just breaks the ice. Right, here's another little message. Hi Emma, public speaking is part of my job and I've learned over the past few months how to deal with this as I was the same. I'm slowly starting to improve the more I do it and it's in front of a hundred plus people. It is only five minutes at most, but it's the longest five minutes ever, lol. The best way to get over this is to literally just do it. Either read the screen or your notes the first few times until you're comfortable and then you'll slowly find yourself getting more and more confident. You know the people in your class, so that's also a good thing. 
Plus, fuck it, if it doesn't go well, you'll gradually improve and no one will actually remember what you say by the time it gets to the last person who has to present. No offence. Hope the next time goes well. P.S. Love the pod. Thank you so much. You're so right about people not remembering at that last uni presentation. I was so in my own head freaking out about mine. I don't think I listened to a single word that came out of any of my classmates' mouths. Like, I genuinely couldn't tell you what any of them are doing. It was like a project proposal. I couldn't tell you what any of them are doing their projects on because I wasn't listening. (laughs) But yeah, literally no one cares. And you know what I try and think as well? Is that the teacher is doing that all the time. Like, all the time. You don't ever think of the teacher as it being like a big deal that they're up speaking in front of you. They just are the teacher and they just do that. But then all of a sudden you have to do that for two minutes and in your head it's like the be all and end all. Okay, here's another message from one of you guys. I have started secondary school teaching this year. I struggled at first standing up in front of people, but gradually I realised that people see and watch others speak publicly every single day. In reality, the audience are so used to being spoken at slash presented to, it's nothing new or a big deal to them, unlike what we make it out in our head. Secondly, make yourself interested and passionate in what you're saying. It makes speaking feel more natural and make eye contact. It makes it feel more conversational as opposed to all about you and all eyes being on you. Sorry, this is becoming the most unnecessarily long podcast ever, but I still have some messages from you guys that I want to share. Okay, next one. Hey, this might not help at all, but my dad goes to public speaking classes. They are groups of people who want to get better at managing their anxiety with speaking or just become more confident at it. He said there is a full range of people from those barely able to talk in front of people to those who are getting really good. Could be the most anxiety inducing thing ever, but it is for sure the absolute cure for it. I have never heard of these, but now I really want to go to one because it probably is one of those things where you do just need need to keep practicing because that's the thing. Every time I do it and I think, okay, sorted, I can do it now. It's then so long before I do it again that... I don't know, you just fall back into that anxious headspace again. But if you were regularly doing it, I feel like you'd be able to overcome it a lot better. Okay, next one. Hey, I really know how you feel with this one. And I felt so tough for me to be limited in that way because I'm usually a very confident and outgoing person. This is the thing, sorry, I'm just going to stop there for a second. People think because you're outgoing and confident in other ways, they just assume that you'd be good at public speaking but it's really not the case. (laughs) Like people think because I have a podcast and because I'm like not socially anxious and I'm very like outgoing conversationally, they think I'd be good at getting up and doing these things, but I'm fucking terrible at it. Okay. Anyway, I met a life coach on a Buddhist retreat who said they provide workshops to overcome a fear of public speaking. And I've heard they really do the job and have long lasting effects. Let me know if you're interested and I can find the guy's contacts. That could be interesting. A little workshop. Okay, and sorry, last one. Completely normal, would recommend exposing yourself to public speaking gradually over time and seeking out opportunities to do so. So for example, at work, I used to be terrified of public speaking. So I started by contributing a little bit more to informal, smaller meetings, then larger meetings, then more formal meetings, and then moved to bigger contributions slash chairing slash leading meetings and now I've got to a point where I can literally just be put on the spot to present to others or I can present to seniors and it's no biggie. Although it still makes me a bit nervous I know that will lessen with more time. Don't be too hard on yourself whilst you're learning to public speak. It's a learned behaviour not something people are born with. You're just learning. 
So yeah, thank you all so much for your lovely messages. It really made me feel like I'm not alone in this because sometimes you really think, fuck, I'm such an idiot for making such a big deal about this. Like no one else thinks it's a big deal, especially when you see everyone in your class get up and do it and you're just like, how do they just make it seem so easy, like such a breeze? So yes, thank you for your kind words and for sharing all your tips and tricks. I'm really sorry that this has been the most unnecessarily long podcast in the entire world, but I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) Big shout out to George Gill for my intro and outro music. I'll leave all his details and links in the description. If you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to give me a little five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also now swipe up on Spotify and you can vote in this week's poll and you can leave a little comment as well. But yeah, if you enjoyed this week's episode, remember to share it with your friends, with your family, on your Instagram stories. Thank you all so much for your continued love and support and I will speak to you in next week's episode. Bye!